This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Are you ready for an all new career adventure? Vaco is how organizations get the kind of talent solutions they really need, whether it's bringing in a team to solve a specific business issue or finding their next team member. Only Vaco brings a head start, a new perspective, and a real commitment. And now they're looking for you to join their team. If you are either an experienced accounting and finance professional, a skilled techie in search of a new career opportunity, or anything else in that area, Vaco wants to hear from you. With national and a global presence and a culture built on freedom and autonomy, it's no surprise that Vaco has been named one of Inc. Magazine's fastest growing private companies for the past 15 years in a row. What are you waiting for? Professional adventure awaits. Apply today at vaco.com slash helipod. That's V-A-C-O dot com slash helipod. And with that, we are ready to roll. Week eight of the NFL has arrived. It's the helipod with MJD. Let's go. All right, MJD, week eight. Uh, Hard to believe that we are already this far into the season, and we haven't really done a deep dive into uh, one of my favorite teams in the National Football League, which will be here in L.A. soon enough, taking on your Ramley. Are you nervous yet about my Titans? No, not at all. What do you mean, not at all? No, not at all. Contender or pretender Tennessee Titans? I think they're a contender. Um, I think that offensively they pose a lot of problems for people um i think what they were able to do to the buffalo bills uh in that game offensively showed that you have to pick your poison either you're gonna let aj brown and julio jones play well and and get off or you're gonna let derrick henry run all over you right you decide Uh, i think the next week the chiefs decided we're gonna stop henry and let aj brown go right so it's all about what you want to do in that situation. But I think the, the one thing, and they played very well against the Chiefs. They caused a lot of turnovers. Uh, they were kind of all over them. But their defense is still an issue. And especially when you get to, like, the playoffs, late December, it's going to be hard to win high-scoring games, right? And I, I think, for me, that's where the Titans are banking on right now. They're scoring a lot of points. They're playing really well. But eventually that defense is going to have to help uh, help you out here. Well, here's what I see from a, I would say a layman's perspective, but I have a little more insight into the Titans than I do most teams. And granted, um, you know, the last time I saw them in person was in the preseason, but, you know, in some joint practices that they had, including with the defending Super Bowl champions, their defensive line was disruptive. And I feel like we're seeing them finally start to come together. Bud Dupree got his first sack. Danico Autry's making a difference. You know, Harold I play Lance, with Danico Autry. He's a really good player. He's a really good player. And you look at him and you think, oh, you know, he's he's kind of a run stuffer. He's no. a bigger guy. No. Like He's an athlete. And they're moving him around all over the place. They play him inside. They play him outside. And you have Harold Landry, who's kind of that speed guy coming off the edge. Who, by the way, nobody talks about this dude. 
He has seven and a half sacks, which is second in the NFL behind only Miles Garrett. So I understand what you're saying, especially on the back end with that defense. You know, they're missing four guys from that secondary and that went over Kansas City, which to me makes it even that much more remarkable. You know, Caleb Farley, who I think is going to be really good, but he had injury issues coming out. He's gone for the year, but they're going to get most of the guys that are hurt right now back eventually. Um, I mean, they had MJD, they had more sacks against the Chiefs than the Chiefs had points. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that the Chiefs have an issue right now. They have to fix it. I don't know how you fix it. Um, I think Andy Reid said it best, but the, the going back to the Titans, you can win with D-line and offensive line, and that's what they have well. They have a really good O-line and a really good D-line, and you can win with that. Now, on the back end, those guys are going to have to cover because that D-line will get blocked occasionally. You're going to have to make a cover-up, but again, I, I'm, I think they're contenders in the AFC. Now, you asked if I was worried about them versus the Rams. Well, I did. I was trying to be funny. I know you were trying to be funny, to see, but... I was just but, trying to get... I was thinking about that game because I'm trying to lock down tickets for that game as we talked about MJD. So I was looking ahead a little bit, but listen, back-to-back wins over Buffalo and Kansas city, the two teams that played in the AFC championship game last year, you know, in the last six days. And not only did they bludgeon the chiefs, they did it with a pedestrian effort from Derrick Henry. He only had 86 yards. They had, Bobby Hart playing most of the game at left tackle. He was on the Bills practice squad during the week. They signed him off the Bills practice squad. They started a corner who they signed off the Arizona practice squad. Um, Now, that all being said, this is the same team that lost to the Jets this year, right? Well, why did they lose lose to the Jets, though? They didn't have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. So that that, that, you can take that and go whatever you want to do with it. For me, this is the thing. You're about to play a Colts team that's really good. And I don't think really Colts, good. You're going to say really good. Let's not break down that listen, whole game right now. Save it listen, for later. I'm going to save it for later, but the Colts, they're playing really well right now. And they're a good team. Let's be honest. I, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman is really good. They have a great, they have a really good offensive line, a borderline great offensive line. They have a running game and they have tight ends that can that can play, right? And then defensively, what do they do? They, defensively, they can stop the run. Defensively, they can cover the pass. They can. And they cause turnovers, right? So this AFC matchup, the AFC South matchup, is going to be huge this week for me. We'll, we'll call that game later. We'll talk about it. But this is three tough teams, AFC teams, back to back to back. Let's see how they respond. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's, that's obviously far and away the second best team in that division, right? Um, oh, yeah. With, with the Texans and the Jags uh, bringing up the rear. You mentioned Kansas City quickly. I mean, there are obviously problems. We touched on it last week a little bit. You know, Patrick Mahomes in the regular season in 2019-2020 was 25-4. and four. Patrick Mahomes this season is 3-4. and four. So let me say, let me tell you, this is, this is what happens, right? Sometimes you start to do too much, right? This, the last couple of years, he's gotten away with rolling out, throwing the ball, and it's like we glorify it and all those things. And yes, he makes some great throws. But eventually, the NFL defense, they say it's the fastest uh, evolving organism is an NFL defense, right? They find ways to stop you. It took them a little bit longer to figure this out. But what they're getting now, you're just getting the bad bounces of the ball. He rolls to the left, throws a no-look pass back to the middle. The guy bounces off the guy hand, intercepted, right? Or he, he throws the ball into coverage, which normally would be caught by Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. is picked off. 
He's scrambling down the sidelines, and normally he slides, but he's trying to get extra yards because he's fighting to get extra yards. Guess what? He gets stripped. Fumble. All I'm seeing is they're in quicksand right now, Dan. You know what quicksand? You know what a quicksand is? Of course I know what quicksand is. No, I'm talking about the NFL quicksand, not the one where you see on Indiana Jones and all these other the, the harder you that. try, the, the more you sink. Exactly. And that's what they're doing right now. The harder they're fighting, the more they're sinking. And they need to go back to the basics and just get back to just playing real football. Forget all the fancy motions and stuff. Just throw a nice slant on time. How about that? How about just get a nice running game going, some play action pass going, and just get back to the basics and get him to just settle down. You got to settle down because all they're doing is they're just digging themselves a deeper hole, deeper and deeper and deeper, and it's not working for them. Well, I I think you're right, man. I think you have a couple of runs up inside that opens up the outside, that opens up the passing game. But Andy Reid, as you know, he uses the passing game to open up the running game and he uses the pass and he has for many, many years effectively um, as the run. But when you're looking at some of these numbers, man, they're, they're turning the ball over. They're last in the league in turnovers. They're 32nd in points allowed. They're 32nd in yards allowed. I, their defense is terrible. It's terrible. And it's, I didn't even get to the defense. Yeah. Well, some, I, I, sometimes I, you did the simple is better. They're doing way too much on defense, too many, communication things and checks. I look, I coach little kid football. I've, I've never coached in the national football league. I've only played, but I can tell you, I've been in this situation before where we were scratching and clawing. Everyone's like, you got to work harder. And really all you had to do was just settle down and just right. go back to the basics. Right. I, I can tell you a quick story. 2011 uh, Jack Del Rio gets fired. We were fighting. We're doing everything. We're running all type of defenses, offenses. We were trying to do all so much. And Jack gets fired. Mel Tucker takes over. He was like, look, all I want you guys to do is focus on this and that, right? Offensively, we want to finish. Finish our blocks, finish our runs. That's what I want you to focus on. Defensively, we want to be able to stop the run, set in a vertical edge. That's it. We won four out of five games after that. Just because we simplified everything. And we were playing good teams. It wasn't like we were playing bad teams. We were playing really good teams. We took a Chargers team that went to the playoffs that year to the wire, right? Like, so it was sometimes you just got to simplify everything and just get guys back to the fundamentals of things and just say, look, this is what I need you to do. Just focus on this. And if you do that, the playmaking will come. You can't, you got to allow the playmaking to come to you. You can't force that. And I think that's what they're doing on both sides of the ball. They're trying to force, again, let's talk about the Chiefs defense. They've been known to get turnovers when the time would like, they've been known to get sacks timely sacks and turnovers when the game's on the line. They're trying to do that every play now. Right. Right. Offensively, you're trying to get the 70-yard the touchdown when all you need is fourth and one, third and one. Right. So you got to bring all that back down and just kind of just get back to the basics. And I, I promise you the Chiefs will be back. And this is the thing. If they do do it, they're going to be a scary team in the playoffs that are going to go on, going to go on the wild card and have to play someone at home. And no one wants to play the Chiefs if they get rolling. Well, Steve Spagnuolo is a good coach. I think he'll he'll get that figured out eventually defensively. They're, they're obviously um, – they're lacking personnel, right? But they have been lacking personnel for some time, and it's really not that different than what they had last year. But offensively <clears> – <throat> excuse me, I think he brought up a great point. They, they need to run the ball more effectively, and it brings me back to you know the team that just dominated them and the team that I think has a serious chance to make a deep postseason run in, in the Titans – 
And what Derrick Henry is doing this year, I mean, and what he did last year, like it's just, it's off the charts. He's on pace, MJD, for over 2,200 yards. Well, I know. He's, He's averaging 124 yards per game. So obviously with the extra game, he would beat Eric Dickerson's single season rushing record if he keeps that pace by four yards. He also has... 191 carries through seven games. That's about 27 carries a game. It projects out over 17 games, 464 carries. That would be 48 more than anyone in NFL history has toted the rock. Even in a 16-game schedule, he would still break Larry Johnson's single-season mark by 20 attempts. Does that – listen, nobody's invincible – does that worry you in terms of tread on the tires being a, I mean, listen, he's, you know the game. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's what we call a unicorn. And we'll talk about that as we, we get later in the podcast, but he's a guy that gets better with time. I remember watching him in high school at Uli high school. I remember watching him at Alabama. I remember watching him when he first got to Tennessee, right? The, the more, the more he touches the ball, like I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. I want to, it might've been year two for him. He was struggling early on. They were talking about trading him. They were like, we, we just can't get this guy going. And then come here comes around the time we are now, late October, early November, he starts running the ball. And he rushed for about 1,000 yards in six weeks. And I was like, this is what you got him for. He is a downhill runner that he may not run well in September and early October, but come when it gets cold, November, December, no one wants to tackle him. And the, the thing that I love about what – Vrabel does with him they don't whoop him in the in during practice they don't run him in practice like that they don't run him in training camp like that they take care of him yeah he gets his reps he doesn't get touched he focuses on his vision and then they work him in the game and when you do that you're going to prolong his career plus all these rules now where you can't do double days see back when we were playing you could do double days right you could do triple days you're hitting every day you're taking blows in practice and in the game right and so there's none of that. And I remember one of the conversations I can tell you about that I had with, with Roger Goodell when I was in London, he was like, dude, how long do you think you could have played with the new rules? I was like, bro, I would still be playing easily. <laughs> I don't know how much y'all be paying me, but I would still be out there toting his rock because my body would be fresh, right? right? You got to think all week during that time, we didn't have a cutoff period where you can't wear pads anymore. We were going full pads in, in December, still hitting each other doing nine on seven. So they're taking care of him on the, on the front end to get the reward on the back end. And that's why I think he'll be fine. regardless of how many carries he really gets. Well, on- to your point, you know, in training camp, like I said, I, I was there several times and for all the preseason games, he generally did not participate in full practices. He was working out. You brought up quicksand earlier. He would work out in a sand pit. He would do other stuff. He just wasn't getting the contact, to your point, on a daily basis. You could probably count on one hand the number of full practices that he went through in training camp. Mike Vrabel is very smart as a former player, very good in that way in terms of how he takes care of his guys. There's a lot of veterans' day offs, uh, days off for all those guys. And listen, a lot of coaches are like that, right? McVay's like that. There's a ton of coaches yeah. that do the same thing. There, I mean, there, there are, but there are not a lot, a ton of coaches that run the ball the way the Titans run it. Well, that's a good point. Right. To think about that, like McVay doesn't run the ball like that, but he gives his vets days off. You have to be able to trust your guys. And, and let's be honest, 
Derrick Henry ain't a vet yet. Like he's only five years in. What, six five years, years in. isn't a vet. He'd, he'd be riding on the front of the plane. What are you talking about? I mean, but when Vrabel got there, he wasn't a vet, and he was doing that with Vrabel was doing that with him early. Vrabel gets it. Yeah, that's well, what he's, I'm he's six years. So he's six years in, and you know the the other thing that I think people are really obsessed with the number of carries, especially in the fantasy football world, and uh, which we both have a, a foot in at times. Um, you know, he's last year, he, he's had two years of over 300 carries, right? He had 1,540 yards in 2019. He had over 2000, obviously last year. So he's on pace for another 300 carry season, but his first two years in the NFL, MJD, as you know, he split time with DeMarco Murray. So his first two years combined, he didn't have 300 carries. Right. So I don't think he's going to get worn down as, as quickly as everybody's worrying about. And this is, and like I said, we'll talk about it, but you got to think what other running back in the national football league is six, three, six, four, 250 some pounds that runs a four, four, four. Let me, can I ask you this? Cause I brought this up and I have not had this discussion. Uh, I haven't spoken to Arthur Smith in the regular season, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Cordero Patterson. He's using him a lot at running back and he's been pretty productive. I'm convinced that when he got down to Atlanta, he looked at the physical specimen that Cordero was and said, you know, I, I know that Josh McDaniels used him a little bit, you know, at running back. And there, there's no, the, the person who reminds me most of Derrick Henry in the National Football League right now is it's Cordero Patterson, Patterson. Yeah. right? Like, I know he's not 250, but he's 230. He's 240. And he's, He's two. He's six three. Is yeah. he's built a lot like Derrick Henry? He is, but the the difference is well, I think they're very similar. The difference is Cordero Patterson got drafted to be a wide receiver, of course, right? Right. So that's where you can utilize him. That's where he becomes that Swiss Army knife, and they're starting to utilize him a little bit more. Um, but Derrick Henry has that ability too. That we don't. The Titans just don't use it because you got those two monsters on the outside. But Derrick Henry can run receiver routes, too. I remember watching him at Alabama's Pro Day run posts, comebacks. He's getting in out of his breaks like a wide receiver. Like, all these guys can do everything. So, for me, when you're looking at when you're looking at the Tennessee Titans and what they're doing, and I always tell people, like, you, you want to you project him down the road. Derrick Henry can still run this way because he'd still, to be honest, he doesn't take many big hits. He gets tackled. But it's not like guys are running full speed into him, right? Because he's so big. Guys are making business. They're just like trying to wrap him up and bring him down slowly. Or he's stiff-arming guys and run out of bounds. He doesn't take a lot of huge hits like you would think. So, you know, it's funny about the pass catching, MJD. You're, God, you're so on target with this. He has 18 catches this year, which is tied for the second most in his career. He only had 19 all of last season. So he's on pace to have about 40 catches. They like to get him out there in space. And I don't know if you saw the clip of it was a KC defensive back. He was number 20 or 21. I can't remember who it was, but he was coming down the line of scrimmage. He could have hit Derrick Henry behind the line of scrimmage. And he's like, he literally veered away from Derrick Henry making a business decision. I can't imagine how hard the coaches must have come on him and come down on him in the film room. No, I mean, what, 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 as a coach, what are you going to say, right? Like, what are you going to say? Tackle his ass. Yeah, you do it. That's what they play. <laughs> How about you do it? How about that's your job? Tackle yeah. him. No, his job is to cover. That's why he's wearing a 20s, a corner. 
It's these linebackers and D linemen's job. Look, you could have saw the Buffalo Bills tape. Derrick Henry gets to run it, and dudes are like, oh, no. Like, immediately they're getting out of the way, which is bananas to me. And the Buffalo Bills pride themselves on being a physical team. And they are, yeah. Not when so, it comes to Derrick Henry. So, all right, we did your top 10 quarterbacks, and I, I do want to make clear, when I, when I sent that out, I said your top 10 quarterbacks. I did not put top 10 in the game right now. Yeah, we done as top of week 10, seven. I know, I know. You got, you got kind of hit on that pretty hard, and you were hard on Baker, but probably rightfully so at this point. Um, let's talk about your top five running backs in the game right now because um it when i look at the rushing leaders maurice it's I, you can make the argument that the rushing leaders right now are, are the top five running backs in the game okay i'm just i'll list them for you derrick henry he's leading by almost 300 yards over jonathan taylor joe mixon is third nick chubb is fourth and then you have zeke fifth in terms of the leading rushers in the uh, nfl right now Give me your top five right now. Well, I'm not going to go off of off of the rushing stats because I think Dalvin Cook belongs in there. But number one there. is Derrick Henry. We just talked about him being the unicorn, right? You never see that. When I say unicorn, see like Julio Jones, that he, he was a unicorn before DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown came out. Now you're starting to get these bigger wide receivers that can run routes, right? You're starting to see that. You see Kyle Pitts is another bigger – wide receiver body type that can run routes. Um, Derek Henry, Derek Henry to me is always, will always be number one because of the, he's a, he, you don't see that. You will never see that again. Right. Unless, I mean, I have seen anyone in college that's six, four, two fifty, running a four, four forty and can break tackles and run. I, I haven't seen that. So I can't, I can't say yes or no to that. That's why he's always number one. Two to me is going to be Zeke. I think Zeke has done a phenomenal job this year uh, getting his body back in shape and, and being the player that he was when he first came out when the Cowboys were winning. Let's remember this. Zeke's rookie year, they ran Zeke like hell, and they went 13-3. and three. The next year they went, they did it again. They went to the playoffs. After that, they want to start throwing the ball all over the yard, and now they get back to running the ball. Look, they're 5-1, and one, right? Like, they're, they're figuring out that you need to run the ball in Dallas in order to win games. Ezekiel Elliott is the, forward, the front runner of that. I think after that, you got to go to Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara is a guy that can run inside and outside. If you watch the Monday night game, you can stop him running the ball, and then all of a sudden he gives you 10 catches for 120 yards. Right? The versatility is crazy to me, and, and I love that about him. Um, Real next, quick, MJD, do you remember the story about Sean Payton when he went to Tennessee to work out a couple of uh, Tennessee guys? And he asked Alvin Kamara to run some routes and Kamara didn't have any cleats. So he had to go like borrow a pair of cleats for whatever reason. And that's when Sean Payton's like, this dude runs routes like wide receivers. We, we could draft him in the first or second round as a wide receiver. No that, question. Bam. And he knew he right. wanted him right there. And, and this is where I get, this is where I get torn because this is where you say top five, but there's, there's four or five guys that I can kind of put like, people say, why isn't CMC in there? Well, he's been hurt. Right. It's hard to put him in there. You've been hurt for two years. Right. But, you know, well, we're going CMC right now to be fair again. Right. We're going right now. So CMC, if healthy, would would be in your top five. Yeah, he would be. Okay. But then now I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to throw Joe Mixon in this one. I you think Joe at Mixon at four. I think Joe Mixon has become uh, the guy that we've known or at least I've known him to be over the last couple of years. He's now that guy. 
right? You have all these receivers out there, and yet Joe Mix is still giving you 100 a game, scoring touchdowns, catching the ball out of the backfield, versatility. And he's, what, 6'1", 225. And he runs wide receiver, routes like a wide receiver. And then after that, I, it's hard because you have Dalvin Cook, who's back healthy. I love Dalvin. I think Dalvin's a top five guy. Nick Chubb, we don't know. He's been banged up, right? You talked about Jonathan Taylor. And I, I, I love Jonathan Taylor, but his offensive line is really good, right? He's doing a – it's – You it's, never, ever, for the last two years, you have not given Jonathan Taylor the respect he deserves. No, I, I have. Bro, you, no, you've lumped he, him in with the rest of the Wisconsin running backs. You no, have. I, I did not. This is what I said. You want to know what I said? Yes, I, I would. said that him getting drafted to the Indianapolis Colts was the best thing for him. The best thing for him. Because when you're at Wisconsin, you have the best line in the Big Ten on the field all the time. You go to a team with the best line in the National Football League that fits, that suits what he does. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that, right? He's not making cuts behind the line of scrimmage. Dan, like he's running the ball where the hole is, where the hole is like, that's, that's what you, that's what he does. Well, so that was a great pickup from the Colts and he's doing well, but I don't see him catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't see him being utilized. Um, like Dalvin cook is being utilized. Right. I don't see that. I don't see him being utilized the way Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt's being utilized. So, so who's your number five? Dalvin. So Dalvin's your number five. Dalvin's my number five. Okay, so you left off Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb. Yep. Um, and Austin Eckler got left off of there, who's play, been playing really well. Nick Chubb is averaging 5.8 yards per carry. You said and, right now, though, he hasn't played in two weeks. Oh, man, we're going to do this again. That, that's letting you off the hook. Who's your, who's your, okay, who's your five and a half then? Because you did Derek Carr 10 and a half. Who's oh, your five and I, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like when you get down to this part, there's so many good guys, right? So Nick Chubb is definitely in there. I think Nick Chubb healthy. He's a top three back. Austin Eckler's in there. Jonathan Taylor's in there. No, you can't, you can't name 10 guys as your five. But that's what half. I'm trying to tell you. So like right now I would have to say Austin Eckler. Okay. This is a very convoluted list. It's a tough list. It's tough to, to, it gets it gets a little sticky because imagine if CMC is healthy. All of a sudden, now a lot of dudes is falling off this thing. Right, right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, all right, well, we'll we'll revisit this. Um, yeah, I'm on, and I'll make sure I, I I put the the proper uh, annotations when we when we tweet as, this out. right now today. Right, <laughs> not not in overall because that's when people were like, "Are you kidding me? I hate this list." I'm like, "What?" That's fair. Um, all right, let's go from quarterbacks or running backs to quarterbacks now. You know, you look at all the teams out there that could be needing a quarterback and will be in the market. Um, here's just a few off the top of my head, right? Washington, Denver, Carolina, Cleveland. Pittsburgh, Houston, Miami, Detroit, Philadelphia. Cleveland. Cle well, Cleveland, of course, because you don't love Baker. Uh, New Orleans could be on that list, depending on how they feel about Jameis. And then Seattle and Green Bay if they both move off of Russell and Aaron Rodgers, as we expect him to not be there. Right. So. Oh, oh Seattle's talking about leaving, getting off Russ. No, I'm just saying, you know, Russell last year was wanting a trade. And I think with him hurt, I, I think they've realized he's the franchise, right? Like you, you can't get off. him. I'm just saying if something were to come to fruition and he put his foot down and demanded a trade, right? Like he, 
kind of did a little bit. He could do all that. They're not letting him go. They can't even, they can't score more than seven points in a game. You can't, this is the problem real quick about Seattle. Geno Smith throws a touchdown to DK Metcalf and then waits three quarters to throw him another pass. (laughs) Right. I mean, maybe, maybe, I know the windows are small in the NFL, but maybe it's a little bigger with DK or you just throw it up and let him go get it because he's a freak. I mean, he's one of those unicorn type guys, right? He's a, again, we talked about it. He's a unicorn. All right, but go ahead. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting because remember, remember going into last offseason, it was very similar in terms of the number of teams that we're going to need quarterbacks and the trade deadlines coming up. We're a week away. Um, I'm not only person. The only quarterback I'm trading for is Deshaun Watson. I'm not trading for no one else. Okay. well, according to uh, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, the compensation for this trade with the Texans and Dolphins for Deshaun has already been agreed to. The Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, has approved the trade, but the sticking point, and wisely so, he wants Watson's legal issues to be resolved before the trade is executed. And the only realistic way you can do that is to settle these 22 lawsuits with all these massage therapists. And Watson doesn't want to do it because he thinks that would be an admission of guilt it would probably cost him a couple million dollars. There's 22 different women, right, who are in these civil lawsuits. So that trade may not end up happening. I know a lot of people um, are curious as to where Deshaun's going to uh, going to end up. And the, it looks like right now, if if he were traded, that he would be allowed to play because he's not going to be placed on the you know the commissioner's list. Um, so anyway, that's one that's out there. Obviously, we've talked about it a ton. Two is another one. If the Dolphins get Deshaun, you know, where do they send Tua? Um, how about a trade? There's so many interesting ones for contenders, too. How, how about a trade that you would like to see happen before the trade deadline? I mean, there's so many. Um, I think the one that I would love to see would be Odell Beckham Jr. going to Green Bay. I think the reason I would love to see that is Aaron Rodgers has griped and complained and rightfully so, right? He's out here throwing the ball to undrafted free agents. Devontae Adams may be out this Thursday for Thursday night football. Who is he throwing the ball to? Dude, he has Alan Lazard's out. Uh, MVS it has been out. Now he's back on the field, but he could be without his top three wide receivers. Randall Cobb. And that's Basically the guy he's number who, one guy. And that's who he complained. He was like, bro, go get Randall Cobb for me. Right, beg for him. Right? So, to me, if you're in win-now mode, you're running a very similar system to the that Cleveland's running. It's a variation of it. And you get a dog. Now, I know for a fact that the Cleveland Browns are not going to trade Odell Beckham Jr. I'm just going to let you know that. I actually had a chance to speak to someone uh, this offseason in their, in their little front office. And they not going. They not going to let. They know what they got in Odell Beckham Jr. Well, they better get his ass the ball. Well, again, that, that goes back to my point of talking about the guy that they need to, to go switch out with and get a quarterback. Right. Right. Like, but imagine if the Green Bay Packers were willing to go and get OBJ, put him on the on the field with Devontae Adams. Oh my God! You you now you have a contender. Now you can compete with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers throwing the ball and. And now maybe Aaron Rodgers comes back. 
because all of a sudden you have Devontae and Odell? Are you kidding me? Wow. I, that's, it makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. I, I could have sworn you were going to go with a much less sexy trade of Marlon Mack to the Ravens, which, by the way, that makes so much sense. I can't even – It does. Max on a one-year deal. It does, but they already have, like, seven dudes. They're all hurt, though. Aren't you always in win-now mode? Like, just pay him the $2 bucks and have him be, rent him for the season and give up a fifth-round draft pick. Why would you not do that? I don't even know if you would give up a fifth for that. Maybe a sixth, yeah. I, you probably give up a sixth or a seventh. He's a good running back. He is, but he's he's been hurt, right? He's and healthy now, though. Yeah, I mean, you could. I, the one that I saw that you sent me that didn't make any sense was the Miles Jack to the Los Angeles Rams because the Rams are strapped cap-wise. They can't right. – They that's that's one of the reasons they just trade their inside linebacker to Denver, right? They're just trying to create some – give them some wiggle room uh, to – and so they traded their pretty much their, their linebacker for pennies, right? One of their better defensive players for pennies because they needed cap space. Well, and the problem with your guys too is that they have so many superstars that they're paying so much money to and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and, uh, you know, Stafford obviously making quarterback money that like, it was like, um, Oh, Cooper John Johnson Robert last Woods. year, right? John Johnson came, came up. They couldn't pay him. Like they knew they weren't gonna be able to pay him. There's certain no. dudes. You just can't, they're not going to pay the safety position, right? They're not going to pay linebackers. No, well, this is the thing they have. They have Cooper cup has making a lot of money. Robert Woods is making a lot of money. Matthew Stafford, Tyler Higby. This is all offensively. Okay. Right. On the defensive side, you have Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey. I forgot about Leonard Floyd. You you got money all over the place. Right. And so you got superstars, which is the way to go. You got three to four superstars on both sides of the ball. You got you to draft well, and you got to pay, you know, you got to figure out how to do it. And so they're cash-strapped. So I didn't, couldn't see Miles Jack going to the Rams. Um, but I, 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 to me, I think – if you're in win now mode, if you're a Baltimore Ravens, you're in win now mode. I think you try to go get a, a bigger running back than Marlon Mack. A like splash. Who? I don't know. I mean, Ronald Jones? No. Okay. No. I'm just let me think of a guy. Let me think. I mean, maybe Chris Carson. Oh, okay. Right? The guy, a guy, a bigger, stronger guy, because that's what you're missing in Gus Edwards, right? That's your Gus Edwards guy. At the beginning of the season, maybe you go and get. I mean, it has to be somebody that's not getting a ton of usage because you know if it's a it's a, if it's a top twenty back, then they're the lead back on their team, and it, unless the team is just if it's up to analytics, running running backs don't matter. So what's the point, <laughs> right? Like if you're an analytical like team, true, RBs don't matter. It's fucking right? like a true running back. I think it's a little different now. I think it's a little different now. We've come around. Um, maybe 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 David Montgomery. Well, he's They're, hurt though. He is hurt, but he he'll be back. But they got a they got a guy right now in Herbert that's rolling. He so looks they, really good, doesn't he? Do they pay Montgomery? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure what his contract situation is. It's, I it's think up. he's still young. I mean, no, he's up. It's up. He's a he's a third round guy. He's a third round guy. So he's what this year four for him. Let's look. Let's see what David Montgomery's contract situation is. Um. He signed a four-year deal. You're right. Yep. And then he is going into. Yeah. Well, no, he has one more year. He has one more year. He's in his third year. So he has okay. one more year left on his deal. All right. Well, there you have it. Yeah. But he's a bargain. I mean, he's making a million bucks a year. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if they give up on him, but Khalil Herbert and, and, and Montgomery, a pretty good one, two combo. Um, that's a whole nother story, man. Just what's going on in Chicago. We'll get into that another day. So you heard the Mike Tomlin rant. Yeah. Okay. I want to play, I want to play a sound, a couple of sound bites as to why that happened. So Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach, obviously, um, he had to answer questions about the USC head coaching job, which is vacant because Carson Palmer during an interview on the Dan Patrick show said that Mike Tomlin could be, could be a candidate for this job. So here's the Palmer soundbite followed by the Tomlin reaction on Tuesday. You've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin that, that if Mike Tomlin wants out and and it, I think, you know, at the end of the day, there is not a direct that's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a there, there's a lot of great options. Has, has Mike USC, Tomlin hypothetically been discussed? Uh, I, I'm sure he has. I think I think anybody is a potential candidate right now. And that's what's so great about the job is it can lure an NFL guy in that's tired of their current situation and worried about is Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger gone? Is he done? Who are we going to draft? Do I have, does Mike Tomlin have to start over with a first round young rookie quarterback? Mm. You know, everybody's on the table being that that job is so big and so coveted. Um, you know, I think I think there's a bunch of people that that are in the discussion. And once we get to week 16, 17 of the NFL season and the college football season is over, we'll have a direct front runner. Wow. Okay. That's pretty spicy with Mike Tomlin there. I like it. You is that the first you've heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? Never say never, but never, MJD. Tomlin's been in Pittsburgh for 14 years. They're obviously going to go through some type of rebuild. They have to find a new franchise quarterback, but it's a flagship franchise in the NFL. He's making about $8 bucks a year. He's one of the 10 highest paid coaches in the NFL. You know, college coaches, how much do they get paid, you ask? Well, there's four college head coaches making $8 million or more. Nick Saban, Ed O, who's going to be fired at the end of the year, David Shaw at Stanford and Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Could USC, a private institution, pay Mike Tomlin 10 plus million? Absolutely, they could. There is no way in hell if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm leaving an NFL head coaching job where I'm already a legend, right? One of just three head coaches, as you and I talked about before, in like the last 40 to 50 years to go help rebuild. Yes, it is a premier college football program. No way, right? Like that's it's, crazy. It's not though. It's not though. And that's where that's where that's where SC's wrong for that. Right? This is SC and 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 shout out to my guy Willie McGinnis. Oh, he's going to be pissed when he's going to probably play this and you know, but this is the thing. This is SC trying to 
say like, oh, we can get these kind of guys. These kind of guys are interested in our program. No, Clay Helton is the kind of guys that are interested in your program, right? Graham Harold are the kind of guys that are interested in your program. That's what your program has become. And, it's, and, and, and you know what? It sucks because as a, as a UCLA guy, I don't like it because I love when USC is playing well and UCLA is playing well and the pack is playing well because we always contend against the SEC. But the pack is down right now. And when you have, you have to know where you are and who you are as an, organi- as an organization, as a constitution, um, and all those things. Do people want to go to USC right now? And what? Who do I have? What is there for me? What top recruit is there for me right now? When all the top recruits from California, guess where they go? Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. They go everywhere else but but stay in California. So why would I go there, have all this pressure to win right now with no one there? You Well, you could go there and you could win really, really quickly. And how? By the way, it's how could very- you? How, listen, how can you win quickly? I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why you can't win quickly. One of the top schools in the, in the country, in the high schools in the world, there's two of them. There's three of them right there. Servite, Modern Day. Bosco. Bosco, right? Look on their roster and tell me where all those kids are going. I know, I know a bunch of them are going to Oklahoma, Oregon. They're going to Clemson, Ohio State. They're going to Alabama, Georgia, Texas. They're going everywhere but USC. How do you go and compete? How do you get those guys to stay there? I, that's what I'm asking. Because you bring in a big name. You're telling me if, if Mike Tomlin hypothetically went to USC, those kids wouldn't want to come and play for him? I don't know. Does, is Mike Tomlin a good college coach? We don't know that. Okay, well, let's pick a good college coach. Pick any of them. Pick James Franklin from Penn State. Like, no, I am just, I'm no. disagreeing with Listen, your premise. Listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, let me tell program. you, this is what I'm going to tell you. You can take James Franklin from Penn State and he'll lose. You know why? Because he's losing at Penn State. Period. The only coach that you can go and get to come and change SC right now is Nick Saban. The only coach. You couldn't even go get Sark to come back. Well, Sark's at Texas. But Sark was free. Well, yeah, but they he wasn't free when they fired their current head. But I'm coach. saying they could have they if they weren't gonna go get Sark, Sark has already been there. Sark didn't help that program, right? You better I go like and get they're in the dirt forever. Like I, I mean, I I'm get not that saying that they're in the guy. dirt. I'm not like I'm not saying they're in the dirt forever. What I'm saying is you have to go get a coach that's willing to grind to go and get it. If I'm Mike Tomlin, why am I gonna leave arguably the best? coaching job no not arguably the best head coaching job in in all of sports you want to know why it's the best head coaching job in all of sports dan because there's only been three people that coach that organization and in the 100 years or how many years they've been around three people have coached been head coach of that organization well there there have been there have been more in the history of the organization i think it's the last 40 to 40 years or so no it was the seventies. We were in, was at least fifty or sixty years. There's been three head coaches. Well, it's it's Noel, it's Cower, and it's Tomlin. But yeah, I, okay. I understand where you're going. With so it. so what I'm saying is, why would I leave a job where I have, um, tenureship where I know they understand, they're patient, they allow me to do things, and go somewhere else where they don't know, and they're looking to get like whoever this next coach is for SC. 
just like whoever the next coach is for LSU, the expectation is national championship in, in five years. You're right. And, right. And, and, and the chances of doing that are slim to none. I, right? I don't know, dude. I just, I feel like you get a program builder, the right guy to come in there. But who is that? So is it urban? So is it urban? Cause we see what urban's doing in national football. I, I don't, I don't know that urban's that guy uh, at this juncture. Maybe it's Matt Campbell. Maybe it's James Franklin. By the way, James Franklin, he's, he's done, not he's, leaving Penn state. Why wouldn't you leave? Why would you not leave state college, Pennsylvania for Los Angeles? And by the way, in this, in this era of NIL money and recruiting student athletes and essentially being able to pay them through sponsorships, is there a better place on the planet than Los Angeles to do the, that? The, but this is what I'm saying. With all that being said, exactly what you said, why are these guys still going to Oklahoma and these other schools right now? Well, because your school hasn't been very good and because USC hasn't been very good. But it's, so, Helton, so, it's not, so it's not about the money then. It's about winning games. Right. Is what I'm trying to tell you. It's not about the money. All that other stuff is out the window. You have to find a way to win games with the guys you have on that roster right now. If you look at USC's roster – little thin it, it ain't it ain't looking hot right but you you know as well as anybody that you you build around a quarterback right slovis slovis obviously not going to be the guy there but that this dude jackson dart could be the dude but he would he, that was slovis two years ago when kurt when he left kurt warner's high school right man I that, and, and before and before that it was the kid at georgia who's balling at georgia right JT now who, who left and before that it was another kid who was good and before that it was sam dart and like it's always been these guys right it's always someone but they never pan out. And so in this situation, what I'm saying is whoever you get there, and, and it's not Tomlin, but whoever you get there, it's not, I, I don't know if it's the enemy. I don't know who it is. I don't know who they're going to go with, but you have to be willing to allow this person to build. And it takes, you just can't build a house in two years. Can I ask right? you a question? And I know, I know, I, I know you have to tread lightly because you guys are friends, but the enemy will get a head coaching opportunity. I believe yeah. this off season. In in the NFL, does he have interest from what you know? And he co he was your running backs coach. You no, that's my not not only was he like forget the running. He's a good friend of mine. He's like one of my. He's a mentor of mine. He's a guy that I call when I need. I have issues. Like we have a special relationship. Um, I think I I know that he wants to coach in the National Football League. That's where he's always wanted to coach. He's played there when we were when he coached me. He used to talk to us about the National Football League. So I I know that's where he wants. And for him not to have a job is crazy, right? Now it's going to sure. be a little tough because this this the offense ain't playing as well. But this may be the 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 blessing in disguise. Can you turn this around, right? Right. Kansas City's struggling. Can you turn it around? Now, if you turn it around, that may be something these owners see, like, hey, oh, okay, he turned around the struggling offense. You know, maybe we go and get him. So I know he should be getting a job in the next. He should be up this year. Period, point blank. He should get a job. He should have got a job two years ago. Should have got a job three years ago. But he should get a job this year. Um, again, I just don't – it's hard from all I – from my understanding with, when you deal with the pro coaches, it's hard to get a guy from coaching 28-year-olds, 25-year-olds to now recruiting 17- and 16-year-olds. It's a different mindset that you have to have. Right. It's, it's, it's a different um, philosophy that you have to have. It's a different um, coaching style that you have to have because now not only are you dealing with, you know, kids being away from home for the first time, you're dealing with academics, right? Where in the NFL is strictly football. You see what I'm saying? Like your football 24 seven. Did I ever tell you the story when I retired 
that I found out there was 24 hours in a day. Did I ever <laughs> tell you about that? Because all I knew was football all day, every day. I didn't know anything else. Like I would come home and still be doing football. And the day I retired, I was like, what am I going to do today? Like I have so much, like I stayed awake all day because I didn't know what to do. Right. So there's so much that goes into coaching college and it's such a different, it's not the, it's not like it used to be Dan, where it used to be a farm system for the NFL. It's his own separate entity. Right. And it's so different than what these coaches are used to in the NFL. It's a big, it's a little bit of a transition as we see urban Meyer coming from college to the NFL. It's a little bit of a transition, right? Like you can't do a lot of the stuff you used to do in Columbus and in Gainesville now as a Jaguars coach. So, um, I don't know. I wish SC the best of luck because again, when SC's doing well and UCLA is doing well, the PAC 12 is really good. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, remind me not to take you down an SC rabbit hole and just let you dump all over them for 10 minutes I, again. I, I didn't dump all over them. I'm just telling you the truth that that's where they are right now. I, I, I feel the same. Listen, UCLA is UCLA goes like this. It's a roller coaster. That's why I can't ride with them all the time. I get motion sickness. You think they have the right guy? UCLA? I think Chip has another year to try to, to, to kind of get it going before they figure if he doesn't win next year, it's going to be a problem. Okay. So they give him one more year. Well, they've shown flashes. They've shown flashes. That's the like, thing. They've shown flashes. Now it's consistency. Right. So, I, I, so what I'm reading into what you're saying, and I want to put a button on this. Eric Bieniemy's not going to USC. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it. What I'm telling you is it's a, it's a transition from being an NFL coach to a college coach. And it's a bigger transition than what people think. It's not just about the money. It's not just about, it's, there's recruiting. There's a bunch of different things that you have to do. You have to have like, okay, I'll put it this way. Let me break it down for you. In the NFL, you don't have academic advisors. Okay. You don't have an academic side of your program. Literally. And I think we talked about this. Guys that go to college are control freaks. They got to control everything, right? They got to run. You have a recruiting office. You have an academic advisory office. Then you got your football office. Those three things, right? In the NFL, guess what you have? Football. That's it. So on top of that, you get months off during in the NFL. College in those months, you're still recruiting, they have a dead period of like two weeks. <laughs> like, all right, like what? And during that dead period, your 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 players are working out in the summertime, and you're coaching still. You see what right. I'm saying? Like, there's no time off in college. It's uh, it's different. It's different because in the NFL, as involved as all head coaches are in the draft process, you have a general manager, you have a team of scouts, and in college, as the head coach you're in charge of every aspect of the program. Exactly. So it, is, it is very different. So I, I will read between the lines. You do not have to say it. Uh, I'm, the, Eric, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he will or he won't. I'm just telling you it's a, it's a tough transition to go from one to the other. I, I hear you. I, I, MJD, I hear you. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a little break here because I want to tell you about uh, one of the favorite companies of the Helipod with MJD, the best looking, the best feeling, and the highest performing athleisure apparel on the market. Get yourself ready for fall and winter. Grab some of the joggers, the hoodies, or these sweet jackets like I'm wearing right now from Viore. They look great and they perform even better 
You know how I love their performance tees, their core shorts, and their bank shorts. They're perfection. I mean, you can wear them from everything from when you're playing pickup hoops to yoga to riding the Peloton to doing Zoom calls. Check them out. It's Viori Clothing. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod for 20% off your first order. Viori Clothing, V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod for 20% off your first order. Greens Plus, a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that superfood powder into a bar. Their bars and powders taste awesome. Trust me, I eat them almost every day. They're the most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance. Keyword, nutritional insurance that your body deserves from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get it at Whole Foods, Amazon, or if you're smart and want to save money, go to greensplus.com. You'll get free shipping and you get 20% off with the promo code HELI. Uh, I enjoy the wild berry superfood powder. The bars are great as well. I like the natural energy bars. And my son, I believe I've said this before, he's a 14-year-old uh, eighth grade football player, all into the protein powder. So he loves that vanilla protein powder that he just mixes in there with each and every protein shake that he makes. That's greensplus.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here we go, MJD. It is pick time, my friend. Uh, we only picked five last week because we were talking about a couple of blowout games that we didn't officially pick. We both went four and one. Oh. You were right on Indy over San Francisco. I got Tennessee over Kansas City. So on the season, we still uh, remain one game apart. You're 26 and 19. I am 25 and 20. Ready to roll? All right. I'm ready to roll. All right. Good Thursday night football one game this uh, this weekend. We're taping this on Wednesday. Thursday night football, just one day away. Green Bay 6-1 and one at Arizona undefeated. The only undefeated team in the land. And Arizona favored by six and a half. So here's the deal, in case you haven't heard. Green Bay is going to be without their three top wide receivers. Devontae Adams, barring a miracle, uh, missing this game. He's in COVID protocol. So, in, so is Alan Lazard. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been on injured reserve. Slight chance he could be back for this game, but MVS uh, could miss it as well. So not only are the top re three receivers out for Green Bay, Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, also in COVID-19 protocol. So the DB coach, Jerry Gray, going to be calling the defense. A couple things here. Green Bay did go 6-0 and without Devontae Adams last year. Rodgers was off the chain in those games. 17 touchdown passes, one interception. Okay, but they're missing their top three dudes and their defensive coordinator, and they're on the road in Arizona. Not saying it's the toughest place to play in all the land, but they're going to be hyped there, dude. Those are good fans. They're 7-0. and oh. Cards loud. win. 
cards win don't cover my opinion 27 21 the final yeah i got the cards in this one too i just think it's too much and, and to be honest defensively i just don't know if they're ready to handle this passing attack right like you haven't seen kyler murray yet you don't know what it's like to play kyler murray if you haven't seen him yet right and the way they're playing right now, I mean, he, the ball he threw to AJ Green on the sideline. Silly. He just, he just dropped. I mean, he's playing the best football at the position right now, besides Tom Brady, right? And to me, they just have too much going on offensively, defensively. Vance Joseph has his defense flying around, um, and they're they're finding a way to call turnovers. And even when they were in a tight game against the Niners a couple weeks ago they still found a way like they're playing complimentary football right now, which is scary down there in Arizona. I, I got Arizona in this one too, to cover actually. All right. I like that. Uh, Tampa Bay six and one favored by five going into new Orleans and new Orleans is, is four and two. Um, I still don't really know who the hell the saints are right now. I'm going to let you take is Mike, first. is Mike Thomas back this week? Did we know yet? Have they he's talked been about practicing? It? We do not know if he's back yet. I will. Uh, if he's and- yeah. Well, if he's, if he's back, I'm taking Tampa anyways. Like, <laughs> Tampa is just, this is the thing. Tom Brady every week goes on Instagram after his W's or losses and he posts. Right. And he'll be right. like, Oh, we're coming back or good. But the way this defense is playing right now with no cornerbacks, the way the pass rush is getting there, Devin White and this can Levante, David, and all these guys, on top of running the ball, Leonard Fournette is just the guy now all of a sudden. And you got Antonio Brown possibly coming back, Mike and Evans, Gronk. Gronk, and Chris Godwin. That's just too much. It's just too much. You're not playing the Seattle Seahawks this week. So Jameis Winston can't play the way he played against Seattle this week. You're not playing them. And if he plays like that, it's going to get ugly quickly. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, it's interesting because the Saints did give them fits last year during the regular season. They beat them twice. Yeah, but they had Drew Brees. Yes, it's a very, very different. Situation. And they had, and and they had different receivers too. They were these dudes are running around. They're not getting open right now. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't. I don't think Mike Thomas uh, matters. I know he's getting healthier. I, listen, they. I, it's been a disaster there the last couple of years with Mike Thomas. Um, I liked Tampa Bay 34, 24. You look across the board at the Bucs and the Saints, and as is the case most weeks, the Bucs have superior talent at almost every position uh, across the board. So 10-point win, 34-24, give me Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh 3-3 three and three at Cleveland 4-3. and three. Cleveland is favored at home by 3.5. Baker is going with the starters today. Today is Wednesday. He's getting starter reps in practice. He has that torn labrum, said he's feeling better. He wants to play, dude. Like, he heard you. He hears the footsteps. He knows Case Keenum is a good NFL backup and can, can win games. The Browns beat Denver without Baker, without Nick Chubb, without Kareem Hunt, without Jack Conklin. They're getting Chubb back. They're getting Conklin back. Baker's going to play. I I think that is too much firepower for Pittsburgh to deal with at this point. I'm picking the Browns to win by three. So the hook gets you. They're not going to cover 20 to 17, a low scoring game. No, I, I, oh no, I listen, it is less about Baker and it's more about getting those tackles back. Right. Jared Wills came back. That's why they were able to beat the Broncos, right? You get Conklin back. Um, Nick Chubb is back. I think that's huge. 
Um, I'm going to go Browns as well, just because I think the Browns defense has done a great job. Miles Garrett, they've done a great job of really whooping people. And now you're going against an offensive line that's not really that good right uh, right now. So uh, to me, I got the Browns in this one as well. All right, Tennessee, we talked about them extensively earlier, five and two. Only a one-point favorite on the road against Indianapolis. Indianapolis, three and four. So here's the interesting thing about Indy. They've been playing well lately. Um, they've won three of their last four, but those wins have not been against good football teams. Um, however, however, I feel like the way Tennessee's been the last few years, they will beat really good teams, which they've done twice in the last six days. Buffalo, Kansas City struggling a little bit, obviously, but to hold them to three points is it's a modern-day miracle. I could, I could see them going into Indy and losing this game because – if if Tennessee wins, they improve to six and two, and Indianapolis drops to three and five. That's a three game lead in the division at the halfway point. Like Indianapolis, not toast, but they're not going to win the division. Um, Derrick Henry's averaging almost 136 yards per game against the Colts in the last four. The Titans' defense not a mirage, folks. Okay, they're they're getting better despite the injuries on the back end. They have almost as many sacks through seven games this year as they had all of last season. I can tell that you're not going to take the Titans, MJD, but I am going to take the Titans to win 30-27, to high-scoring affair. They cover the one-point spread. Dan, you said all that, and all you had to say was every time Derrick Henry faces the, the, the Indianapolis Colts, he rushes for two or three touchdowns at 150 yards. They struggle with Derrick Henry. They struggle with this offense. I don't know if Taylor Wan will be back this week. Um, I think he's going to be back from concussion. That's the yeah. plan at left tackle. Yeah. yeah, so even with that being said, it didn't matter to me. I love the running game. I think, and I told you, I think the defensive line for the Tennessee Titans is the reason why this defense has a chance, right? They can stop the run and they can get to the quarterback. And that's the most important thing. I like the Tennessee Titans this week. Uh, I like it a little bit. I have them winning a little bit bigger than that. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, we've agreed on everyone. This isn't that fun anymore. Uh, Dallas five and one favored by two and a half in Minnesota. This is Sunday night football, the Vikings three and three. This is supposed to have the highest scoring output of the season. I'm sorry, of the week. 55 is the, uh, is the over under. So this should be a shootout. What do you think here? I don't think it's a shootout. Um, I, I think Dallas is going to handle them pretty good. Whoever uh, Trayvon Diggs covers, don't expect them to have a big day. But I think Adam Thielen, if he covers Justin Jefferson, I think Adam Thielen has a big day. If it's the other way around, I think Jefferson has a big day. Um, but I just think the Cowboys have too much for that defense. I know Patrick Peterson is good. But if he, who are you going to cover, CeeDee Lamb? Or are you going to cover Amari Cooper? And the last time they played, CeeDee Lamb caught a ridiculous catch from uh, Andy Dalton expect something like that. And Dak Prescott is playing too well for me right now. Um, and, and to be honest, when you look at the Vikings games, the ones they won, was it with Detroit last second field goal? Like they, they haven't been playing the best football uh, throughout the season. So I like the Cowboys in this one big. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of points scored. Um, I can't, uh, I can't disagree with you really on anything that you said here, Dak Prescott and Kirk cousins, by the way, combined 
completing 71% of their throws with a passer rating over 110 and they have 29 touchdowns combined. This is this is the this is the thing though. The the Vikings offensive line has struggled. So if you're the if you're the Cowboys, you got to stop Dalvin Cook. He's the one that makes that thing go. Right? But it, and vice versa, if you're the Vikings, you got to try to stop Ezekiel Elliott, but the difference is Dak can throw the ball if you force him to throw it 40 times a game. We've seen that against the, the Bucks, right, in week one. Right. They, like, he can throw the ball and keep you in games. I don't know if Kirk Cousins can do that. Well, here's something to keep in mind, MJD. So the game you were referring to that they won uh, by a field goal was against the Lions. Um, their last two wins are against the Lions and Panthers, not great teams. But I will say this. Their losses have all been relatively close. They lost to the Browns 14-7. They lost to Arizona by one. And they lost to the Bengals by three. So I think those are all very good football teams. And Minnesota has been in all of those games, which is probably why this uh, this line is, is so tight. Uh, let's wrap it up with my Washington football team at Denver. Washington 2-5, and five, Denver 3-4. and four. So much hope for these two teams coming into the – season and uh nothing but disappointment sprinkled in um i'm i'm gonna pick washington because i'll take denver you're picking denver i'm picking i'm telling you broncos gave up almost 150 yards to durnis johnson yeah but who's running the ball your boy gibson has a shin injury that's supposed to be like he has a broken leg he's playing with right now can we just give him a shot does that can, can we just give him a shot i don't know if they do shots anymore Dan. throw the throw the ball to jd mckissick and yeah yeah get, but this other to, problem your quarterback you're, you guys should have probably beat the Packers, right? The football team had a chance to beat the Packers, but you're 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 hindered at quarterback right now. I can't, and I couldn't really put a finger on it early in the season. You know, I did a couple of radio shows back in DC, and and I said I'm just not I'm just not buying all the excitement. Everybody was so hyped about Taylor Heineke because he ran around and made some stuff happen against the Bucks in that playoff loss. I said I need a bigger sample size, and I think. The more we see of Taylor Heineke, yes, we see flashes when he runs around and creates out of the pocket, but to drop back and throw on time within a structure of an offense is not really his strength. And there's not anything that he really does that he does exceptionally well, which is why, by the way, he went to Old Dominion. He was cut three times for the Panthers. I still think Kyle Allen might be a better, a better quarterback than he is right now. And the problem with Washington, too, is like you're not getting fits back for a couple of weeks, so you're kind of stuck here. That all being said, they're, I, they're, I feel like they're due. The defense played better. Yeah. Still not up to the level that everybody expected them to be at. I'm going out on a limb. As you should. I, I don't – I don't. I'm not saying I, I believe this wholeheartedly, but I am going with my heart. As you I'm, should. I'm picking Washington. The, the the one thing you said, and this is what I want people to understand that listen to this podcast. Yes, I did not, I did not play quarterback. Okay, but I understand both the offense and defensive side and how things work. I was raised in the quarterback room per se in the National Football League with Byron Leftwich and other quarterback coaches and different guys and David Garrard and always in the room. I was in the room with Derek Carr when he was a rookie uh, with the Raiders because you always want to learn and understand how to play the game, right? If Hold you on, can't throw the ball, say you would go sit. You would go sit in the quarterback room. Oh yeah, all the time. Greg Olson, the OC for the uh, Raiders, when he was in Jacksonville, that's all I did because I would I, every year I would do that to. I want to know what they think, right? I want to know when I'm when when do you need me ready? When do you not need me? When I'm the first read? What coverages are going dictate, to dictate certain things, right? And the one thing that you said 
is you have to be able to throw from the pocket in the confinement of the offense. That is how you win football games in the National Football League. That's how you that's how you become consistent, right? So many guys can flash and do great things and oh, he's this and that. Oh, oh. but if you can't win from the pocket in the National Football League, you'll never win games. You may win a year, right? If you look at Lamar Jackson, he won MVP running all over the place. Never won, never could win in the playoffs, though, right? Now look at him. He went from the pocket all of a sudden. Man, if you really watch Lamar, he is slinging it, man. He dropped a couple of passes in there last week from the pocket. Like, Lamar has improved dramatically. As and a that is what, that's what makes them scary. If you look at Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow wins from the pocket, Yeah. right? The reason, the reason the Bengals are the Bengals is because Joe Burrow can win from the pocket. They don't even do play action pass anymore. They just do drop back, tell Joe to find the open guy and go with it. If you can win from the pocket, your team's fine. Matthew Stafford. He wins from the pocket. Tom Brady wins from the pocket. The only person that I can say that that's starting to do it now that hasn't done it is Kyler Murray. He's the only one that uh, sometimes he likes to get out of there and throw the ball a little bit. Like it's kind of 50-50 with him, depending on the game. Will he stay in the pocket or will he scramble out and try to make plays? And the last couple of years, he was playing really well, but he never stayed in the pocket. And then someone, someone has gotten to him and told him, look, you have to win from the pocket in order for us to win a championship. And he's starting to show that now. Who would you rather have to build around for the next 10 years, Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson? Oh, that's a t- I think I think with either one, you're good, to be honest with you. Um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Cause I love I love both of them. I think people are gonna hate me on this, but I'm gonna say Joe Burrow. And the reason being, it has nothing to do with Lamar. I just like pocket passers. I love pocket passers because it opened. If I can run the ball on you with a pocket passer, you're in a world of trouble. I mean, it's over because my play action game is unbelievable. The way I'm going to call it, guys are going to be coming wide open. Now, when you have an athletic quarterback um, and you have to teach him to throw from the pocket, it's a different deal, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's unique to you. Some people, um, and I, and I, I can't say I disagree with you. It is interesting though, that comparison that's been asked and um, both guys are very different, but they're both guys are very good. Um, MJD. That was a, that was a good one. I, I, that was a fun pod at 1220. We went for what an hour and 10 minutes or so. Yeah. I think people will really like this one, man. We really dove into some stuff. Um, all right, buddy, you coaching today? You got practice or what's going on? Yeah, defensive practice, man. Look, we won last week. We scored 54, but we gave up we gave up six touchdowns to one guy. So we got to really buckle down on our defense. We're in the playoffs right now, Dan. Winner go home. We're the one seed. We're undefeated, but we've shown some leakiness in our defense, right? And so we got to figure it out. But remember, I was telling you about that play action. Yeah. We've been, we've been, when we can run the ball, if you can't stop our running game, you might as well go ahead and go home because Every now and then we're going to throw and take a shot downfield and we're going to make you really feel this. And uh, that's what we've been doing. So we scored 54. We had three kickoff returns. Uh, We had two touchdown passes and a couple other, uh, or maybe one touchdown pass, a couple other runs. Um, We, we played complimentary football. So the defense struggled this week, but before we played a team two weeks ago, our offense was struggling. Defense kept us in until we can get in a rhythm. And once we got in the rhythm, we, we went on a tear. So we're good. 
I love it. I love it. I'm uh, I'm going to see my first uh, Clippers game of the season tonight with my. There, are they? They used to be fun. I've went to a couple. They used to be really fun. Well, you you remember when it was Lob City, right? Like yes, that's, that's when it was awesome. I mean, listen, the Clippers are still. I think we'll end up being one of the best teams. Kawhi still hurt though, right? Um, I I gotta look, man. I, I think, think Kawhi still hurt. He tore his ACL last year, so I think he's still down. I I think that's a good question. That shows how much interest I have in the in the Clippers. Um, yeah, Kawhi Kawhi hasn't played yet. So hey, listen, one of my boys is trying to get a Laker box. If you want to go in, it's probably gonna cost you like I know you got it though. <laughs> but I run you about fifty, but you know for the season if you want to do it. Here's what you do. This is the perfect thing to do. And this is what I did this year. I went in on a Staples Center ticket package, season tickets to the Kings, the Clippers, and the Lakers. And you get four or five dudes, and you just split them all up, right? So I have, I don't know, I have like 10 games, right? There you go. It's perfect. perfect. I mean, I, my, my man wants to get a box for the Lakers, which is, it's not bad. But if we get enough guys, it'll be worth it. Yeah, I'm not doing it by that's myself. That's professional right? athlete money, dude. You can, that's you what can, you got. You can I'm drop looking it. at your. I'm looking at your house right now. You're looking good. <laughs> you hey, listen. We need to. Uh, we need to do one of these live and in person. We'll tape on a Tuesday, maybe in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, once football season's over, we'll be ready to go. All right, buddy. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. All right. Appreciate it. See you later, hey, man. All right.